Blog Talk Radio. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come Come and get some. Uh, usually, I start the show with a certain animal of a certain weight uh, addressing the whatever animal in the room. Today, I literally address uh, the the elephant in the room uh, with today's interview. Uh, I have uh, a Bo Korowski, that's um, GK Bo's husband. Uh, we uh, we got talking after he posted some stuff on Facebook, and I was like. Man, this guy's got a lot to offer to the conversation, and it's a conversation we're not having uh, all that often because it's uncomfortable and it affects a lot of people. And you know, I'm 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 a white guy that never had to deal with what it's like to be perceived by the color of my skin, and Bo's a white guy that's never have to worry about being perceived by the color of his skin. But he's married uh, to a woman who who uh, identifies mostly with her Polynesian past and culture, and GK Bo's, but she is also seen. So he's got a little bit of an inside track on that. She's seen by the color of her skin. Um, so it's a little awkward, different for two white guys to sit and talk about this. But the fact of the matter is uh, we both agree. And, and I'm always saying, you know, uh, until we start fighting for each other's causes and start standing up for each other, we stand alone. Uh, so we both agree that rather than turning blind eye because it doesn't affect us in our everyday uh, routine personally, rather than turn a blind eye to it, um, it's time to have that talk that not a lot of people are willing to have. Uh, so we started off here uh, today with part one, and uh, let's get to it. Part one, Bo, Bo Kroski. All right, guys, it's uh, a lot's been going on in the news uh, lately, a lot of tragedy, a lot of tragic events. And, and in light of that, I decided today uh, to take a little different route. Um, I have a friend on Facebook. He is uh, G.K. Bo's husband, uh, Bo Kroski. He's been speaking very publicly and uh, very openly on Facebook about his thoughts on, on what's happening um, on the whole Black Lives Matter issue and the whole uh, police uh, excessive force issue on the value of lives issue. Uh, we, we've gone back and forth on it, and we're going to have a little bit of a try to have a healthy discussion about it here today. Please welcome to the show, uh, Bo Karofsky. Hey, Bo. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me, Chris, man. I really, really appreciate it. No, I appreciate you coming on because I do feel like, in a way, it's seen as bold for two white guys to talk about an issue like this. I know it, it can be uncomfortable, and, and a lot of times that's why the conversations don't happen. But the conversations have to happen, and uh, and, and I'm glad that you're willing to come on here today. I uh, yeah, and, and to be honest with you, we probably should have somebody uh, of uh, you know of color be on here too but uh i think it's good that we're having these conversations in and among ourselves as well oh absolutely whatever i can do to be part of the the solution uh is good for me i love the wording there absolutely be part of the solution and it's something it's real easy for two for two white guys to get together and say like hey Hey, more white people have been murdered uh, unarmed by police than black men it's statistically proven and then you go back and you look and I don't know, the last five years, I can't remember a video of this happening, but I can remember at least half a dozen videos of, of unarmed black people being shot and, and in some cases killed. So so there is definitely an issue that needs to be looked at. 
And it's more than just saying, oh, it's an issue, we'll deal with it. We, we do way too often, we turn a blind eye to what doesn't affect us. And, and us not being men of color, we, we, we don't have to worry about these things as much. And it, it, it sounds horrible, but it's true. And that's why, you know, I asked you to come on and why you agreed to come on is, is we don't want to turn a blind eye. We don't want to preach, don't turn a blind eye, and then we don't talk about it. Uh, so um, there are some things, some points you made on Facebook. Do you want to do you want to expand upon what you were saying on Facebook? Sure. I mean, just to kind of start and give you a little bit of background. I mean, I've lived in four countries. My dad was military, so I moved around from place to place to place. I've seen a lot of different cultures. I've lived in six different states. I've lived in one stoplight towns, and I, I currently live in Los Angeles, um, which is the second largest city in the United States. I've gone to 11 schools in 12 years, so uh, I feel like I, I've had a pretty unique experience as far as myself growing up. Um, you know, I worked in the inner city for about three years in, in South Central, or, or South Los Angeles, as they now call it. Um, so. Uh, it's been a really interesting thing, and growing up, I, I feel like I've been afforded a lot of the opportunities, um, and, and I guess due to our society, I, I didn't even realize a lot of the things that I was receiving without um, without anything else other than just being white. So when I moved down here to Los Angeles, uh, I saw these two kids playing basketball with a, a shopping cart. And that's when it kind of clicked into me that, man, I, I never had to do that. I never had to worry uh, about whether or not I had things to play with or, you know, what kind of environment I was living in. It kind of just it was like a fish being pulled out of water. Um, so, you know, obviously with GK being not white, uh, it's been a very interesting conversation that we've had back and forth about the things that she's gone through. So when, I, when it came to all these different things that are hidden in the news right now, especially revolved around, you know, the police involved, um, death of blacks, the, being pulled over for, you know, a broken taillight or, or things along those lines, not wearing seatbelts, um, it's just, it's heartbreaking to me to see what's happened and, um, you know, it's a, it's a shame. So there are a lot of different things that, that play into it, but I think that as a white person, we need to take an evaluation of our culture and what we're doing and how we're part of the system. And the truth is, if we're not part of the solution, we're part of the problem. We're standing on the sidelines. So that's kind of where yeah. I'm coming from and, and what I want to be a part of with, with this conversation. Yeah, that definitely. Uh, you speak volumes when you say these things because I, I have a lot of my own arguments I've had with people and a lot of things that I've said where I talk about um, I, I don't, and, and and let me be clear, I, I don't have a problem with the reason. I understand the reason for the Black Lives Matter movement. But I always say that, I always say that all lives matter makes more sense. And the reason I say that is, is because we way uh, too often concentrate on how we're different. That's almost the basis, excuse me, the basis of, um, the basis of bigotry is you don't understand it, so you decide you don't like it. Or you you treat it differently. Um, just just yeah. anything, race, uh, culture, anything. And I'm not saying you shouldn't fight for. I'm not saying that we don't need to stand up and say something about how black lives are being undervalued in the system we live in, in the world we live in. 
I just think that the more we concentrate on how we're the same, and we're all different. Everyone in the same race is different. We're all different, but we're all the same that way. And if we don't concentrate on that more and fight for each other's causes and stop blocking ourselves, because we segregate ourselves sometimes, uh, white people, black people, Absolutely. Spanish people, we, we jump into our groups and we fight for our groups and nobody else cares because it, it actually, there, there's a stigmatism. It's like, oh, well, you know, it's those guys again doing that cause again. And it's 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 difficult for people to focus that way and, and come together. But to your point, and, I, and I'm not trying to do all the talking here, sorry, Bill, <laughs> but to your point, uh, we we if we did that, if we were able to as a society, and I don't think it'll ever 100% happen, which is just human nature, uh, but if we were able to as a society completely come together and erase our differences and see each other as equals, it wouldn't stop the fact that the system uh, leads to poverty, uh, the still undervalued lives as far as the hierarchy is concerned in the system. So, you know, police shooting unarmed people just because of color of skin. Good example would just happen with the man and the autistic kid. He was sitting on the ground. Kids sitting on the ground with a truck. I think he's like 20 or something, right? The 17 or something. Right. Uh, he's playing with a truck. The police don't know what's in his hand, even though the guy on his back with his hands in the air is yelling, he's got a toy truck. Please lay on the ground. He's he's worried about this autistic kid. And it's not the white autistic kid that's getting shot that might have a gun in his hand. It's the man laying on the ground with dark skin and his hands in the air to get shot. And the police officer doesn't know why he did it. laughable. Yeah. Uh, you know, to go back to your point, and that, that actual circumstance was the thing that really kicked off this conversation um, for, for us. But to go back to your point about all lives matter versus black lives matter versus blue lives matter versus white lives matter, mm-hmm. they absolutely all matter. And before we get going into this, police, to me, are a huge, important factor in our society. We cannot function properly without police right and a majority of police are fantastic and i appreciate what they do their job is thankless they have to go into situations where they don't know whether they're going to come home every day um i've been in places man where cops don't even want to go into in south central so i can only imagine you know what they they deal with and every interaction that they have with a black person with a white person with a uh, hispanic person or a latino person that has a, it gives them context in order to be able to function for the next um, event or the next interaction. So we all play a part in, in this. And yes, all lives matter. The problem is it seems to be that, you know, when these interactions are happening and for whatever reason that they are happening, it seems that black lives aren't being treated and valued as much as blue lives or as much as white lives or as much as other people's lives. So it's not so much that black lives matter more, it's that the black people think that they are not being valued as much as white people, which, you know, in the circumstance, or the the current circumstance, I I can kind of get behind. So, yeah, uh, it's it's a shame that that's happening the way that it is, but that's the way that it is. And the segregation is also a huge part. It's interesting because in other countries, they don't have these kinds of segregations the way that the United States does. Even in L.A., we have Little Tokyo or Little Armenia or Thai 
you know, Pie Town. We have our own, it's supposed to be a melting pot, but it's not a melting pot, actually, when you really think about it. All the Armenians live in Glendale and Burbank. We have, you know, um, the Jewish people that are in Beverly Hills. We have the white people that are out in Santa Clarita. Um, So it's a pretty segregated area. Inglewood, Watts, Compton, we have more black and and Hispanic or the Latino community. So, yeah, we, we definitely go towards what we know, what we feel comfortable with. And through this unsegregation and, and actually meeting each other and talking to each other um, is where we find common ground, where we find that people are people. They have families, too. Um, yep. So I'm glad you're having this. Thank you. Uh, no problem. I mean, it has, it, has to, it has to be had, and it has to be had on more forums because I can tell you um, I, I've heard – and I intentionally, I want to hear this. I, I've heard podcasts with uh, black hosts who are angry black people who are angry about what's happening, rightfully so, justifiably so. And honestly, uh, as a white person, even though I can see their point and I understand why he's angry, it's difficult for me to hear him because they're coming from a different place. And it's hard for me. It doesn't mean he's wrong. It's hard for me not to put myself in his head because I've never had to be through th- I never had to go through this. Uh but make no mistake, yeah. one way or the other, we're all going through this. Um whether you, whether you like it or not, we're all part of this. Yeah, you know, we're all involved. And and to put to put yourself in that situation, uh if your job was down in the inner city and you are surrounded by, let's say, you know, black people, let's say you were going down into South Central and you were at a stop sign and somebody spit on your car, and you, you're you in your suit because you, you have a six-figure job, um, and you drive down there, they spit on your car, someone's yelling at you and calling you a white-ass honky cracker, and you get to work and you talk to your boss, and you're like, man, I didn't do anything. Like, it's rough. This is a rough neighborhood. And, you know, you tell him about the situation, and he says, hey, man, well, you're threatening to them. You threaten their livelihood. You, you are financially threatening to them. Why don't you not wear a suit to work anymore? Why don't you wear something a little bit more comfortable, relaxed, put on some jeans, put on that kind of stuff? Automatically in that situation, he's telling you, don't be white. Don't be who you are. You need right. to kind of fit in. You need to, to, to do that. And that's what we do with them. They're trying to fit into our culture. We're telling them, don't wear your hair that way. Don't be this way. Dress like us. Um, and it's not... It's not their responsibility to change those things. It's our responsibility. I didn't do anything wrong in that context. I was driving to work. Right. It was the external forces that are, that are causing these issues. Um, and this is something that just happens because we are the dominant culture. And we're unaware of it because it, un- it doesn't affect us on a regular basis. So, so I've been calling it a shoot-first mentality um, by some police officers. Do you think there's a shoot-first mentality in some areas and, and maybe just specifically in certain areas? I think that cops have a, a certain... There's a couple different things to unpack in this. One, I think the type of people that go into law enforcement are a different type of person. Like, if you look at the people that go into arts, you know, acting and and you know, drawing and art and things like that, they are not violent people. You get the, that's why they're called artsy-fartsy, right? (laughs) You get the granola cruncher type people. They have a different personality. The people that go into law enforcement are typically, 
you know, they have good morals, they have, you know, integrity, they have all those things, and, and I can promise you, I mean, I have family that are law enforcement, I have friends that are law enforcement, I have neighbors that are law enforcement, um, they are incredible people with a passion to help other people, but there are also a lot of people, that industry attracts people that have maybe a little bit more testosterone or, or something along those lines, that mm-hmm. may be a little bit more aggressive, so that's the first issue. The second issue is the way that they're trained. Um, you know, I would, if it came down to your life or my life, and I wanted to go home to my family, you better believe that I'm going to choose mine. So compliance in the way that people are approached uh, or, or that the way that, that people interact with police during routine stops, I think, has a way of playing into it. Every, Like I said, every time that you interact with a cop, it gives them a context for them to operate in their next interaction. Um, and then the third part of it is I have no idea why there is, it's either they are not a, a threat or we need to kill them. Right. So, like, wh- wh- where's the middle ground here? What Can't we use tasers? Can't we use, um, you know, I don't know, pepper spray? Can we use something else other than, you know, rubber <sighs> bullets or... Uh, I've seen, like, pogo bullets that have, you know, a velocity-adjusting thing on it. I don't know. Something that's not necessarily lethal. If it breaks their arm, fine. But, like, let's not end their life right there on the spot by accident just because we're nervous. So Somebody has suggested to me the reason why tasers have been stopped is because uh, people are dying of heart attacks and strokes from tasers, and I'm saying, wait a minute, <laughs> people are dying from bullets. So I really hope that's not the explanation. I, I really do. Yeah. And we laugh, but it's not—it's not as funny as it sounds. But it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's the irony of it. Yeah, I think the media has a, a way of playing it out too. I mean, yeah. the things that get publicized are typically black on black crime or black and white police or whatever the case may be so it's sensationalized a lot of times but the truth is I mean when's the last time Chris that you really heard about white on white crime oh it happens you just don't hear about it because it's not it, it's not newsworthy yeah it, it's not exciting it's actually way more way more than actual black on black crime believe it or not and that's encounter that's for like criminal, you know, like violent crimes and things like robbery, aggravated assault, burglary, larceny, things along those lines, not including white-collar crime, which obviously is even worse for white people. I mean, we're the number one culprits of that by a lot. Yeah, I I just hate assigning race to to crime because crime is not... I don't believe crime is a race thing. I think crime is a crime thing and a bad person thing. Um, when you look at it, I, I, it's so funny because I look at your family. Your kids are your kids are the perfect. I don't know them personally, but but they seem like good kids, and they're the perfect example of the melting pot that this country is and is supposed to be. Um, I'm not saying everybody's supposed to go have mixed kids. I'm just saying they represent something. And, uh, and and I don't know how that gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. To to go back to your point about crime is crime. It is crime. Um, the the truth is, you want to get really into it, you know who the bad people are? Is men. Men are the ones that commit a majority of the violent crimes. 
something like 97% or something like that. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, like, if we're going to assign blame anywhere, it needs to be with, with men as a whole, regardless of color. I don't want to be generalized, though. <laughs> not, I don't represent these men. <laughs> I, you don't. Well, I mean... I know, I know. When we don't, because they're, they're, they're us. So, yeah, we, we... I mean, that's our community, too. We might be white, but we're also men. We're also dads. Um, so, I don't know if you have daughters. A daughter, this yep. This is, you know... I don't have any daughters, thank God. <laughs> I'm, fr- I'm afraid. I'm afraid. <laughs> I had two boys, and I was like, yep, that's enough for me. So, but I, I, I agree with your point. And with my, my sons, it's weird because they're just white enough to pass for white, um, but they know that they're a little bit different. And um, my wife, like I said, G.K. Bose, so my younger son is in a movie that's coming out uh, this Friday, which I'm really kind of excited about, called The Monkey King, um, with Jackie Chan, the, the main character. So my son, when he goes into auditions, he does not look like my wife at all. He looks like me. He's, he's very light-skinned. Um, and they think that GK is her, is his, um, either his babysitter, um, and, and she typically really? she allows him to drop, she, she um, makes him sign in by himself so that they don't see her. Because really? Because they would classify him differently. When she goes in with him, they put him in the black category of kids. So typically when they're doing auditions and things like that, they'll have a black family and they'll have a white family, and they'll kind of do like split-level testing to see which one will, will test better and which one they like better. When she shows up, it's typically that he goes into the black family. When she doesn't, he gets into the white family, which allows him a whole lot more opportunities for commercials. This is for, um, for voice work or for on camera? On camera. Okay. Wow. Yep. Interesting. I mean, it is what it is. I, so, you know, I, look, I don't make the rules, but... You know, we, we definitely know the rules of the game and, and play by the, the rules of the game in order to to have him have an advantage. Yeah, there's so, so many problems with that. Uh, that, that. That's part of the problem, again. You you look at it and you say, hey, we live in a world where mixed... Is, I, I'm in a mixed marriage. My wife's Colombian. I have a Columbia, half-Colombian child. So it, it, it's it's so much more the norm anymore than not. That that I'm yeah. so surprised that we still limit how we display the family, the family unit on television. Um, uh, wow, I I gotta That's tell you, crazy, huh? I, I'm looking at this and there's there's something to be said for the fact that it, it drives me crazy that we face. They just hit uh, Afghan today, Afghanistan, somewhere. Um, we have these terrorists. Oh, really? Yeah, I forget where they hit. Um, I'm going to look at it now. Um, big, 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 big hit today. Um, my phone's all wacky right now. But they uh, killed 60 people. So ter- terrorists, every country, this country, they, they, the terrorists are hitting people for the way we live. Um, we live in a country where there are so many different types of people. We've, we've been talking about it. You know, white people, black people, Spanish people, Jewish people. We all have different cultures, different beliefs, and we coexist the best we can, which hasn't been great lately. 
And these terrorists, they don't care what your religion is. They don't care what color your skin is. They don't care where you come from, where you've been. All they care about is you won't, you know, you won't be like them. And they're killing us. And they're killing us at big clips right now. And we can't coexist. That's a big problem. And if... Are you talking about the the radical Islam? Yes. uh, 60, was it? Is it 60 or is it going up now? Oh, the the whole Bastille um, thing where that guy was driving through the... No, no, no. This is brand new today. Is a, it was a, 60 people killed in Cabal. Um, there was a big... Uh, they all want electricity. They want electrical wire brought through their, uh, their, their area. And there's like thousands of people out in the streets, you know, protesting peacefully. And uh, explosives killed 60 of them. Probably, probably more by the time it's over. Uh, so that just happened today, hours ago. Uh, so, t- so we're, we're recording this on the 23rd, uh, on, on Saturday. Um, so they don't care where you are, who you are, what your race is. Uh, how is anybody on, on, in this country or anywhere else that holds anything against anyone for skin color or religion or anything else, how, how, do we, how do we look ourselves in the mirror and see ourselves any different uh, than those guys? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we... We some of the hardest truth is to see ourselves in other people, you know, see the bad things in other people, and realize that that's that's essentially a reflection of ourselves. Um, you know, hate as I think it was either I think it was Malcolm or Martin Luther King that said, you know, hate cannot drive out hate; only love can drive out hate. And I'm firmly convinced that a lot of these misunderstandings and a lot of these things come from what we get on TV. We, we know about it, Muslim people because of what we're told on the news. We know about black people from what we see on the news or what we see on the, um, on the television. But the truth is, until we have them over into our house, until we, um, you know, really ask questions about their lives and not just like, hey, how's it doing today, Bob? Or, you know, whatever. That's when we're going to really kind of get into knowing them and understanding their frustrations and understanding where they come and for them to understand where we are. Like you said, when, when you talk to some other, like, black people, sometimes they present it in a way that's really hard for us to understand and it's easy for us to shut off. Like, oh, that's just an angry black guy. Right. Um, because it's not palatable for us. When we we start looking at these things, we have to have the ability to be open to to what's possible. And the truth is, I mean, I am successful in every sense of the word. I have my own business now. I have, you know, worked for Amlaw 100 firms. I've consulted some of the largest companies out there. But I have to face the fact that a lot of the opportunities that I have might not have been because I'm smart or because I'm, you know, anything else other than white. That's a tough pill to swallow, man. It means that our whole system isn't, merit, you know, based on a meritocratic system. All right, so that was uh, part one. Uh, part two, coming up next week, we finish. We, we have a lot more to say about it. Uh, we talk about accountability. 
um, our accountability, police accountability. We also talk about uh, 10 questions. Yep, he will have to do 10 questions like everybody else on my show. Uh, in the meantime, um, make sure you check out Bo and uh, GK's son, Canon Kowalski, over there on uh, in the movie Monkey King Hero is Back. Uh, coming out in theaters, uh, I'm going to take my family to see it. It looks like a pretty solid family film. I've seen a few previews. It looks exciting. And then you can take pride in knowing, hey, I witnessed this kid when he was young, just started out in his career. I knew this guy, and you know he's like an A-lister or something, right? So, uh, so make sure you check that out and, and come back next week. For now, um, that about sums it up. I'm getting down to the sum of this. The sum of that. The sum of everything. Come on. Come on. Yeah.